You're listening to the teaching of Calvary Paris. For more information, go to www.calvaryparis.com. First John chapter 5, verse 1. We are moving through a study of the book of First John, chapter by chapter and verse by verse. And we are beginning the fifth and the final chapter this morning. And if you are taking notes today, the title for this message is Spiritual Birthmarks. Spiritual birthmarks, and we know, if you've been here, you know, and if you don't know, John, the apostle of Jesus Christ, he wrote this book. He wrote it to the global and the growing church there close to the turn of the first century, and he wrote it all with the theme of walking in the light. And as we begin this fifth chapter, this final chapter, we begin to see John start to wind down his letter to the church, where over the next few weeks, as we read and study, we will see him pointedly write to remind the church of some important things pertaining to their walking with the Lord. And today's text, much like it has been over the course of this study, today's text will be reflecting on something that we've already seen throughout the letter, but yet is still crucial to understand. You see, John today is going to write about the believer looking and acting like a believer, a novel concept, I know. And what he's going to be doing is looking, and we, as we read, will be looking at characteristics of a follower of Christ, what has been a consistent mark of this short book, of a believer, again, looking like a believer, of a relationship with Jesus, not just being this internal, personal thing, but something that plays out into the life of a believer. John is going to write to that again today. He's going to show, again, how important he took the principle of our relationship with Christ marking our lives. This was a big deal with John, as well it should be a big deal with us. You know, even before we get into the text today, we should ask ourselves, especially if you have been here for the study of the book of 1 John, you should ask yourself, we should ask ourselves if our relationship with the Lord is not only real, but is it active? Is it active and is it apparent in your life by the way that you live your life out for Jesus Christ? You know, does your relationship with Jesus, does it play out in your home life? Does it play out at your job? Does it play out in your social life? That is something John has written consistently about. And though we know that works should not save us, they never can. John has sought several times to get across to us that our salvation, it works itself out. It should play itself out in our life as we seek Jesus. And so though it may seem like old news, like a reminder and a review, our relationship with Jesus Christ marking our life, it's very important. John has said that and showed that consistently. And so we've got some application even before we get in the text today. And so we have much more to come. So if you have your Bible, let's go ahead and jump in. 1 John chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 to get us going. We'll pray one more time after that, and then we will continue on. Well, in verse 1, it says, Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. And by this we know that we love the children of God, when we that love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for this day. And Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have today. Lord, the freedom, the invitation that is always standing with you to come into your presence. Lord, we just thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the word. We thank you so much that you have given us your word, the truth for our lives, Lord, to see it, to read it, to know it, and God, to live by it. And Lord, today, as we study your word, and though it is familiar, Lord, I'm so thankful for the reminder. I pray that, God, you would speak to us, and you would speak to us something that we need to hear so that we can live the lives that you are calling us to. 
And Lord, I'm so thankful for your help, Lord, that we see within the word that you offer us help, Lord, to understand your word, not only understand what it says, but know how to live it out. And so today we ask that you would lead us. We ask today that you would guide us. And we ask that expectantly knowing you're faithful. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, much in the way that a baby born and a child growing up will resemble his or her parents in some way, well, so too should the believer in Jesus Christ and their lives be marked by the character and the attributes of their heavenly father. And John employs the word born or begotten. This is language of being brought into life and being brought from one stage of life to the next. Like a baby in the womb, we know, of course, is a life. Well, so too does that life enter into a new stage of life as they come out of the womb. And in the same way that a believer is brought from the old life of sin and into a new life in Christ, well, so too should that new life, should their life be marked by the Lord. So too should it be marked by their heavenly father. There should be these spiritual birthmarks that are on our lives and shown to those around us. But what are these birthmarks, you may ask? Well, John, as he opens up in verse 1 and continues through this short text today, he's going to show us three spiritual birthmarks that should be visible in every believer. And if you've been with us and if you've been paying attention, well, then this first one, it should be a no-brainer for you because John has talked about it quite often. Without me even saying it, you probably know what it is. It is, of course, love. Love. John is going to speak again about love because it is so crucially important. You see, as John speaks of being born of God, he makes sure to remind that it's through our belief. It's, again, not of works, but it's through our faith put in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And John, as he writes here, he goes on to speak about love. And if you notice, as we were reading, he makes an assumption. He makes an assumption there. He says, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. Again, putting your faith in Jesus, believing who he is, that saves you. And everyone, he says, going on, who loves him who begot, that is speaking of the Lord, will also loves him who is begotten of him. Did you catch the assumption there? Let's read it in the New Living Translation, where it says there, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. That is very plain, very simple. But even more plain is it says, and everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. You see, we are born of God as we believe in Jesus Christ. We become the children of God. And as such, we love the Father. John, what he does is he points out here that this is a natural outflow of the Christian life. To be a believer is to have a love for our heavenly Father. And John, he's not alone in this assumption or in this thought process. Paul here speaks of this even as he wrote in Romans. In Romans chapter 8, verses 15 through 16, he says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You could translate that into our vernacular to Daddy. And he says, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. You see, much like John, in a relationship with Jesus, Paul here says that the Holy Spirit taking up residence within us, which is what we know happens at salvation, and our new life in Christ, well, they agree with one another. They agree that we have new life and a new sonship or daughterhood, and it's natural for the believer to acknowledge their heavenly Father and to love their heavenly Father. That is a natural outflow of the Christian life. And John points out this natural love of a child of God for God. But again, he also makes an assumption. 
He makes and he states this assumption that if we love God, then we will also love believers. We will also love other children of God. He says, everyone who loves the Father loves his children too. Now, if you are all, you are all, not if you all, you all are smart people, if you all, you are all smart people. And you've probably already thought what I'm about to say, that it, yes, makes sense that we would love God. That as we are children of God, it would make sense that we would love him. He's done so much for us. How could we not love him? But to love his children, to love one another, that's not a very natural thing, is it? Of course, there are the easy ones. We all have our list of the easy ones to love, right? Like we all have those in our mind. We're like, yeah, that's no problem. Loving those believers, got it. But we all have our other list as well. And to say blanket statement that we love all of the children of God, that, that's a stretch for us. But again, John, what does he do here? John, as he writes this, and as he has written thus far, he states this principle as a fact. Believers who have believed in the finished work of Jesus Christ and have applied the great love of God to their lives. They not only love God, but they love his children as well. And we know this, and we know that this is what is to mark the believer's life, and we know this because Jesus said this. John has, has, has lived according to Jesus' teaching, and we have referenced something that John heard, that John recorded Jesus saying many times. We're in John 13, 34 through 35. We're going to talk about it again because Jesus says a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Why? Because by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You see, John assumes because Jesus said, John assumes because Jesus had said and commanded his people, his disciples to love. He says, hey, if you love the Lord, then you're going to love his people. If you love the Lord, then believers, well, they should love other believers. Believers, they should be marked by the love of God. And so the natural question for us as we take this and begin to look at our own lives through the lens of Scripture and seek to see, hey, where are we? The natural question follows for us today, does love, does it mark your life? Does love mark your life today, friend? Does it mark your everyday life lived with the Lord? And as much as we have expounded on love in previous studies, as John, again, has consistently brought this to the table and to our hearts and minds, I'm fairly confident to just leave that question as it is. Just leave that question as it is and ask it plain and simply to us because we need to ask the question in a plain and simple way. Does love, does the love of God, does it mark your life? Because if you are in Jesus Christ today, meaning that you believed and applied the finished work of Jesus to your life, as you exercise faith and put your faith in that work, well, so too have you taken on the love of God. And you love God, but does that love that we are called to not only live in and apply, but also live out, does it flow from your life? Does it mark your life? Does the love of God, does it mark your life? That is a question because, again, the Bible, well, it assumes that every believer, they're going to love. They're going to love as Jesus did. And this commandment and this question really coupled together and asking the correct question really helps to lead us into the next birthmark of salvation. We've already talked about love. And it's not only the assumption of, of John that we will love because God loves us and calls us to love, but he commands us to love. The Bible not only, not only you know, suggests it, but it's commanded. And it's also a command from Jesus that we would love in obedience to the commandments of God. This is another spiritual birthmark 
that we would walk in obedience. Let's read verse 2 again and lead into verse 3 together. Well, in verse 2, it says, By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments, I love this, they are not burdensome. You know, another consistent theme throughout this book has, has been obeying the Lord, obeying the word of God. And seeing it as important, prioritizing a life of following God's command, John has shown this over and over again to be important. And as he has done so, and one more time, he speaks of the obedience of a believer, and here he makes another assumption. He assumes that this will be what is happening, because in doing so, the believer shows that they are truly loving the Lord. To love God is to obey his commandments. That's what verse 3 says. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. The New Living Translation again very simply says, loving God means keeping his commandments. It's not hard to see. And John here, he writes for it for us plainly to see it. And as John has consistently done, he again echoes Jesus here and doesn't speak on his own accord. Jesus said the same things. In John chapter 14, verse 15, Jesus says there, John records, if you love me, You keep my commandments. Very simple. Just a few verses from there, he says, he who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me, Jesus says, will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. See, John again, he makes an assumption. He assumes what Jesus commands his disciples, that that will be the attitude and heart posture of every believer, obedience to his commandments. And as Christians, this is crucial. As Christians, this is crucial. This is important to our lives lived in this world. We should not only talk about God's commandments, though we do. We should not only memorize them, though many of you have them. We should not know just every single nuance of them, but we should, as God's people, be carrying them out, be living them out. We must do more than just know the commandments of God, what they are and where they are in the Bible. The desire of Jesus is of Jesus for our life is that we would hear his commandments and walk them out and allow them to shape the way that we live. See, obedience, again, it should mark our lives in this world. And we should be encouraged by the word of God as we seek to do so, because the word of God, it encourages us to obey. It encourages us to obey. Look again at the second part of verse three. Again, it is so good. As it says, and his commandments are not burdensome. They're not burdensome. The idea behind this word for burdensome, what it's supposed to invoke in our minds is the idea of something that is hard to bear, something that is weighty. Or or I, I like this, especially as we talk about the commandments of God not being burdensome. It's not something that is severe or or stern. And the world, mostly because the church lives like this, the world has this misconception about the commands of God and about the word of God. Often seeing the commands of God as heavy. And that's because, again, the view of the Bible, the view of God's word is often just as a large rule book, something that puts your life down, makes it a bummer as you walk through life waiting for the joy that is heaven. But nothing could be further from the truth. Because in reality, once we realize and we need to realize that all of God's command are for our good, they're for our edification, for our being, li- for our being built up, for our living a life filled with joy in the Lord, well, the commands... They are not burdensome. They're not. 
When we have been born of God and when we love God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul and all of our mind, which is the greatest commandment Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 22. When we realize that, when we do that, we realize that his commands are not burdensome, but rather they are a blessing. The commands of God are a blessing, friends. Belonging to God, loving God turns obedience into a blessing. And so much like asking the question a moment ago, does love mark your life? Well, the same thing applies to obedience. Does obedience, does it mark your life? Does obedience to God's commands, does obedience to the word of God, does that mark your life today? And does it mark your life consistently? Are you seeking every day to live for the Lord in obedience to his word? Or instead, are you ignoring it? Are you instead ignoring it and seeking to live according to your own plan, your own ideal, your own commands, or the commands of this world? Because understand that we will submit and we will obey something. We always will. We will submit to and we will obey something, and it's either going to be the word of God or it's going to be our flesh. It's going to be this world and the ruler of this world, Satan, who is driving this world farther away from the Lord. So are you today obeying the Lord? Are you... Does obedience mark your life or rather disobedience? Love and obedience are these birthmarks of a spiritual life. But there's a third one that John is going to hit on here today. There's one more spiritual birthmark that John speaks of now. And for the book of 1 John, it's really the first time that this word comes to the forefront. Though it is important and underlying through all of Scripture, it is the first time that John really brings the word faith to the forefront of the text. So pick it with me there in verse four as we continue on. Where he says there, for whatever is born of God overcomes the worlds. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the son of God? You see, John here begins with a principle that is so simple yet so Powerful, And again, he's assuming that this is the truth for a believer. That if we are born of God, then hey, we will overcome the world. That is a truth that we have seen. And John has even, again, hit on that idea throughout the text. The idea that anything born of God, it could be defeated by the world, that it could be defeated by the world was a strange thought to John. It didn't compute. Because though we know the spirit of the Antichrist was and is within the world, as John has mentioned previously, Believers through faith in Jesus Christ, again, were overcomers, are overcomers. With the anointing of the Holy Spirit, greater is the believer because greater is he that is in the believer than he that is in the world. And so this principle of living as one who overcomes the world is a given for John. And it's a given, again, because of the faith that the believer lives in. And we must understand, we must clarify, as we talk about faith, and we talk about faith of a believer that overcomes the world, that this faith that he's talking about here is not a one-and-done type of faith. See, there's a very dangerous type of mentality that handicaps many believers in this world, that faith is just something that we exercise at salvation. That as we are ready to take on the finished work of Jesus upon our lives, we know that we're a sinner and we need Jesus to save us, There's this misconception that at that moment, okay, yeah, I believe that Jesus, he's the son of God. He's a savior of the world, the only savior. So I put my faith in you, Jesus. See you in heaven, buddy. And that's where it stops. There's this misconception, this idea, and though it is absolutely true that we are saved by grace through faith, that we exercise by our own free will, put in the finished work of Jesus, faith is not only a one-time thing. 
Faith is not a one and done type of thing. It doesn't stop there. But faith, putting the finished work of Jesus Christ and then letting him lead our lives daily as we are called to daily pour into our relationship with him, that is a continual thing. That is where we get the idea of abiding faith, of having an abiding faith in the Lord. And this is what John is talking about here. John is talking about a faith that abides in Jesus Christ in an active and real relationship. And John speaks of this type of faith here, but John also spoke of it as he wrote in the gospel that he penned. And if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn with me over to John chapter 15 this morning. John chapter 15, skipping around a little bit today. John chapter 15. John, who wrote the book, of course, that we're studying, he also wrote the Gospel of John. And he records for us what Jesus had to say about living in a relationship with him through faith, and that being, again, a daily act, an abiding type of faith. We're in John chapter 15, reading there in verse 1, Jesus speaking to the disciples. He says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruits. And you are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. So abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, well, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, key in on this, underline it if you do in your Bible, for without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burnt. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire. It shall be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples." See, as John here records the words of Jesus, the weight of the text, again, is on the abiding. And this word abiding, it literally means to draw up beside, to be near, to be a part of. And every single believer has to abide in Jesus to be able to live the Christian life as we are called. Abiding is crucial. Jesus is clear that apart from him, we can do nothing. Apart from the abiding relationship, we can do nothing which we know is true in our lives apart from the relationship with Christ. Before we are saved, the Bible says that we are dead. We are separated from God, dead in our trespasses and sin. But in Jesus Christ, we are alive. And as we abide in him, it is true for our relationship. Where we abide in him and we live with him, understand that we then are walking in the way that he's called us to. And so instead of overcoming the world, many people, instead of abiding in the Lord, they will walk in constant turmoil with sin, with the flesh, the devil, and this world. But faith, real and active faith, abiding faith in Jesus Christ, well, that brings victory. That brings what John is speaking of here in 1 John chapter 5, this abiding, this faith. It makes us these overcomers who walk the life that Jesus is calling us to. And you may think to yourself at this moment, well, that sounds great. But how can faith mark my life? What does this mean, faith marking my life? Isn't faith just an internal thought process? It's a decision that I make between me and Jesus. And I understand that because faith, well, yes, it is something that we exercise personally as we seek out the Lord's. But understand, I can promise you, 
that if you have a real and abiding faith that is in Jesus Christ that is daily applied to your life, that's going to show out. If you have a real and abiding faith and an active relationship in Jesus, that is going to show out in your, in your life, friends, in your personal life, in your relationships, in your job. It's going to show out if you are abiding in Jesus and you are exercising your faith consistently in him. And contrasting to that, understand that if you don't have a real and abiding faith in Jesus, that's also going to show. It absolutely will. It absolutely will show if you are abiding in Christ and if you're not. Because to abide in Jesus Christ is to do the things that Jesus calls us to do. To not abide in him is to not so much. And so it will show. You will represent the Lord as you abide in him. You will show him and resemble him. And if you're not, then you won't. It's very simple. Both will show out in how you carry yourself in this world and how you live your life. A life that has an abiding faith in Jesus, that's going to look like Jesus calls us to look. And another one, the opposite is not going to. A life that does not have an abiding faith in Christ, it will be concerned with the things of this world, not loving one another, not being obedient to the commands of God, but rather following after this world's. And so faith, real abiding faith in Jesus Christ that plays out in our life, that will show. That again will show in your life personally between you and Jesus. It'll show in your relationships, in your job, in your social life. It'll show in your service here in the church or your desire to serve or your lack of desire to serve. Abiding in Jesus, it will prompt you to do what Jesus is calling you to do. And so we must ask ourselves again, does faith mark your life? Does faith, true, real, abiding faith in Jesus Christ, does that mark your life today? And I ask that question, understand with all of these things, again, your love, your obedience, and your faith, understand that all of these things, you're either putting them in Jesus and loving and walking after Jesus and abiding in him, or you're giving it to something else. And faith especially is one. Faith is a big one because faith, as we are called to abide in Jesus Christ, and that plays out, we are called to be those that are walking in the light, that are showing Jesus to those around us and giving him the glory and walking to show his glory. And as we abide in him, we will do that. But if you're putting your faith in something else, and we all do, all of us put our faith in something at any given time, you're all putting your faith in the chair that you're sitting in right now. As the holidays continue on, you might put a little bit more faith in it as you sit in it next time. Understand that as you put faith in something, it will show out. And as you put faith in Jesus Christ, that will show. But if you put faith in this world, in yourself, in a relationship that is other than Jesus Christ or is not honoring Jesus Christ, that too will show out, friends. And our abiding faith in Jesus, that is what is to be shown in and through the life of a believer, in and through the life of a church. And so does faith in Jesus Christ, does that mark your life? Love, obedience, and faith. These are all spiritual birthmarks in the life of a believer. Again, as a kid is born to his or her parents, they are marked by their parents. So too should we be marked by our relationship with Jesus. And today, the word of God invites us to look at our lives and to see if we are marked by our relationship with the Lord, if there is evidence to back up this claim. Because again, as John writes, he assumes that these three things are present in the life of a believer. Love for one another, obedience to the commandments of God, and a real and abiding faith that marks the life of the believer. And so what we have the opportunity to do is to look at our lives today and to see if that's the case. 
And I love the word of God for that. It always holds up a mirror for us just to look into and be like, okay, <laughs> that's what I need to work on. Okay, that's, 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 that's what the Lord is seeking to speak to me today. And here's how I measure up. And understand today that between you and the Lord, and if you will seek the Lord and sincerely want to hear what he wants to say, hey, he will speak to you. If you ask the Lord today, hey, does love mark my life? The love that you are calling me to, does that mark my life? He will tell you. If you say, Lord, am I walking in obedience to your commandments? Am I living in the way that you're calling me to? He will answer you. And in the same way that you say, hey, am I abiding in faith that is in you, that is real and active in you, Jesus? He will let you know. And so we have the opportunity today to see if we are walking, if we are marked by the Lord in this way. And we all should between us and the Lord. But also too, I love this. Even past just our personal relationship with the Lord, and I'm so thankful that God has given us one another to be able to do this. Since we have the body of Christ, God has put us together as the body of Christ to build one another up and to speak truth into one another's life. As you speak to the Lord and as you have opportunity to hear from him, also too, use the people in your life that God has given you and ask someone else. Hey, these birthmarks of a spiritual life, these spiritual birthmarks, these marks of the Lord on my life, do you see them? Do you see the love of God flowing from my life? Do you see me obeying the Lord with my life consistently? Do you see me abiding in him faithfully? Do you see this faith in him daily put in the Lord's? And I would encourage you to do that. If you're married, hey, if you've got someone to ask right away, both of you have each other to ask. What an amazing thing you get to do. If you have friends who are walking with the Lord that you trust, hey, ask them. Don't just ask your spouse, though. They should tell you exactly what you need to hear. Ask a friend, because they definitely will. If you have kids, hey, go ahead. Go ahead and ask them if you dare. Because you ask a kid, hey, here's, what Jesus, here's how Jesus loves me. Here's how Jesus loves you. Am I loving like Jesus? Do you see? And, you know, of course, discretion in following the Lord with this. If a kid's like three years old, they'll be like, hey, do I obey the Lord? Who knows what you're going to get? Who knows? But if you have an opportunity and the Lord should present that, hey, ask those around you. Do you see the marks of a life live with Jesus flowing from my life? But don't just stop at asking because sometimes that's what we do. We sit here in the chair and we get prompted to ask a question, to reflect on our relationship with the Lord and that's where it stops. Maybe you take it to lunch. You're all really godly people, so at least maybe take it to Monday. But then what we can do sometimes is we can stop at just the question. We hear the answer. Okay, that's good to know. And then we move on. If you have someone in your life or the Lord as you seek him reveals to you, no, you're not loving as I've called you to love. No, you're not walking in full obedience to my word. No, you're not abiding in me. You don't have a faith that's abiding, that's daily put in me. If that's the answer that you get, if it's contrary to what you want to hear and there's something to work on, do something about it. If you know that there's something that God wants to do in your life, allow him to do it. Because to not do it is to shortchange yourself. To not do it is to stop the work that God wants to do in and through your life. And I do say in and through because he wants to do a work in all of us. Jesus wants to daily do a work in us. That's why we should read our Bibles and pray every single day. That's why we should do what we're doing here right now consistently on Sundays and on Wednesdays and other opportunities to meet with the body of Christ and to let the Lord speak to us through his words. He's wanting to do something in us, but then he's also wanting to do something through us. The Lord wants to do things in and through our lives, friends. 
And to hear the word of God say love and obedience and faith should mark our lives. And to stop at that, to even go a bit further and to know, oh yeah, I need to work on this and this needs to be repented of and I need to walk in this way. And then to stop at that, that stops the work of God in your life. Oh, you're going to heaven, yeah. But the work that God wants to do through you here, that is stagnated, that is stopped because you and I, and I'll lump myself in there, we're not willing we're not willing to see the change to be made and then make it and to seek the Lord and allow him to make it in us, to help us with it, which is what he wants to do. God's word shows us all through it that God is there to help us, to lead us and to guide us through this life, to look more and to show him more in this world. And so friends today, understand that the Bible is clear that these things should mark our lives. And as we have the opportunity today to hear the word of God, let's now take the word of God and apply it to our lives and ask the Lord, hey, are these things present? And we have opportunity here in this moment now to do that. Here in just a moment, we're gonna worship the Lord together. And that time is for us to respond to him, to let him speak to us and lead us so that we, when we leave this place, we go into the world ready to look like him and to serve him in the way that he's called us to, the way he's calling us to right now. And so today, as we look at these spiritual birthmarks, understand that the Lord, he's calling us all to look like him. He's calling us all to live in the way that his word is calling us to. And I pray that we would desire to, and I pray that we would act on that desire and take steps to do so. Let's pray together.